This week feels like a little bit of a heat check. Emmett Jones has been draining threes ever since he arrived in Norman. Really hasn't missed all that much. He's on a hot streak right now. And oh, by the way, he might be a really good just wide receivers coach as well, seeing the way that that group is playing right now. But he's been on quite the heater on the recruiting trail since he arrived in Norman. And uh, Parker, here is the ultimate heat check right here. If he can close on Terry Bussey on Thursday, and maybe as we sit here today, A&M still leads. But this is the uh, this is the heat check week for uh, your OU wide receivers coach. This would be uh, this would be huge. Not only would it be huge, I mean, Danny Okoye was a massive surprise in this recruiting class. Uh, Terry Bussey, if he's not the number one overall surprise in this class, he wouldn't be. That far off if this uh, happens on Thursday afternoon. Yes, and my apologies for yeah, making you filibuster for <laughs> yeah. a second there. I had a coughing fit out of nowhere. That was I felt insane. like stealing. I didn't know for what happened. Second. I was hoping that you were going to be back this segment at some point. Sheesh. <sighs> anyway, uh, Terry Bussey. That's what we're talking about, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Just wanted to double check. Heat check. Oh, boy. I was dub- I was doubled over there. Uh, it is heat check time for Emmett Jones. And look, this is. Not a guy that I have ever counted on being in Oklahoma's class. But as we sit here today on Monday, uh, I'm saying there's a chance. Mm. And if you held a gun to my head right now and asked me where Terry Bussey's going to pick on Thursday, I would tell you Texas A&M. But let's see, let's see where things trend over the next 72 hours because this really has come down to a situation where it's a mono a mono battle between A and M and Oklahoma. I'm not really buying LSU Was nor he, Texas. Did he nor go to Alabama. Baton Rouge this weekend? Allegedly. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be one of those places. I think it's going to be A and M or Oklahoma. That seems to be where the highest comfort level is for the kid. And you got 72 hours to close this deal and solidify Bussy's commitment to the University of Oklahoma. If anybody can do it, it's Emmett Jones, because he has and, hardly missed. And that's the scuttlebutt from, from the national reporters is that he has really made an incredible move and made this more difficult than what we thought it was going to be three weeks ago. Well, okay, Fair? and, and let's, let's just look at it this way. If Emmett Jones doesn't pull Terry Bussey on Thursday, at the very least what he succeeded in doing was putting a mortal scare – into A&M over a kid that was essentially signed, sealed, and delivered sure. to them for months. It's a sweat. It's a sweat for A&M at this point is is what it is. So, um, Emmett Jones has made it as difficult as possible is what it sounds like for Terry Bussey to not go to Texas A&M. And he still may on Thursday. And we've discussed multiple times, best thing for OU could be, is that decision date going to be pushed back? And since he tweeted out that graphic, what was it, Thursday, Friday of last week, um, it feels like that Thursday decision is going to happen. It, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to get pushed back. Yeah. So, we'll, uh, big moment, another big moment in this 2024 recruiting class. By the way, Rivals, this was two days ago. Um, I'm still going to bring it up, but you, 
I think everyone knows here, so much can change in two days' time when it comes to a five-star athlete being recruited, especially when we're getting close to decision day. But two days ago, they had their fact or fiction. Rob Patterson says fact that A&M leads for Terry Bussey. A&M leads, but OU is certainly worth watching as Emmett Jones has especially made a push for the elite uh, playmaker out of East Texas. Still, the Aggies have been in the driver's seat in this recruitment since the early stages. It would be a bit of a surprise if the pick isn't A&M for Bussey on Thursday. And then Passwaters, is he an A&M guy? Yep. Also saying, fact, yes. A&M leads. They've been in the driver's seat. LSU's made a concerted effort to change his mind. But uh, the Aggies coaching staff feels like he's going to be uh, you know, a part of this class by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, everybody's asking about Bryant Wesco. On the text line. Everybody wants to know if after Clemson lost again, Oklahoma could get back in the picture for Bryant Wesco. And look, for those that listen to the show, they know this because I've said it before. Emmett Jones and Oklahoma have remained in contact with Wesco ever since he committed to Clemson. It wasn't as if they said, okay, well, so much for that idea. Let's go sign other guys. No, they've remained in touch with Wesco and his family. And I know for a fact, talking to a couple good sources around the Switzer Center, the feeling was that if Emmett Jones had truly gotten his shot at Wesco, the Sooners might have ended up with his commitment because the way it was phrased to me was Jones didn't get as much time with Wesco on the one unofficial visit where those two crossed paths at Oklahoma as he would have liked, didn't really get to sit down, uh, get in the film room with him, kind of explain what he can be under his tutelage in Oklahoma's offense, and the belief was that if Oklahoma, if Oklahoma could get Wesco back to campus at some point, they would have a very good chance of getting him in the fold. But here's what everyone ought to understand about the Wesco recruitment. Because he is committed to Clemson, if he shows up at Oklahoma, A, that means he will have had to decommit from Clemson, or a decommitment is forthcoming. And B, because of that, that means that if he shows up, it's likely coming without a lot of advance notice or fanfare. Sure. So, I I know everybody's raising all this chatter about the potential of Bryant Wesco visiting this weekend. I'm of the opinion that you're not going to see anybody come out and publicly confirm or report, yeah, Wesco's going to be at Oklahoma this weekend. Because all parties involved will try to keep that as low-key as possible if and when it happens. Boy, they're big game hunting for one more wide receiver, though, aren't they? Um, Terry Bussey and still trying to stay in it with Bryant Wesco. Okay, and, and, and I don't think that this is necessarily possible. I'm going to guess that you don't think it's necessarily possible. But let's just go with the... Um uh, I, I mean, like the the ultimate the ultimate ending for this wide receiver recruiting class. Would they take both Wesco and uh, Bryant Wesco if they could get both of those guys? You mean Wesco and Bussy? Or, yeah, Wesco and Bussy. Sorry, yes. Would they take both of them? I don't think it's going to happen. I'm like saying that right now. I'm just saying I, seven receivers. Seven receivers. Yes. I mean they're they're already you know full up as it is. You'll take another five star. Would you take two five stars? I'm going to I'm going to guess I, the answer to that is yes. How, Don't like, turn down a five star. Again, how do you say no? You can't say no. How do you say no? If you have seven wideouts, somebody is almost certainly decommitting. And that's and fine. I don't that's, know who it would yeah, be, but like, okay. okay, if you lose a couple guys because you land Wesco and Bussy late in a cycle, you're perfectly content with that. 
Well, um, Clemson's uh, already on alert out there after a 2-2 two and two start, two losses in the month of September. But if Bryant Wesco is waffling a bit with his decision, whoo boy, uh, things are going to be uh, magnified even more out there in Clemson, South Carolina, if they lose a five-star in this class. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'll tell you what's nice right now for Emmett Jones in Oklahoma. As it pertains to recruiting wide receivers, it's nice to have multiple guys in the receiver room right now that are just popping off. And more than anybody through four games, it's been Andrew Anthony. I have no idea how Michigan threw that guy one pass last year and let him walk. They just threw their tight ends. I think were their tight ends, their two leading receivers a year ago, but I'd still throw him a deep ball or two. It's worked out well this year so far. Feels like every time they throw him a deep ball, it's either caught or he's getting tackled and it's a P.I. call. Or sometimes he gets interfered with, like on Saturday, uh and they don't call it, but he still makes the catch. So that's happened too. Who is better, says the listener in the 580, Wesco or Bussy? Oof, that's tough. They're different players. They're different players, and it's not an exact comparison. All in all, I would say, gosh, I would say Wesco, and it is razor thin. But uh, on the Andrew Anthony conversation, I've talked to colleagues and acquaintances on the Michigan side that have said, yeah, he always had talent. He just struggled to catch the ball. He had drop issues at Michigan. I haven't seen that here. Well, and it just goes to show you, that's why back in spring, when everybody was saying, oh, you needs to get rid of Jaden Gibson, that's a complete whiff. No, it was never a complete whiff, and that was always an overreaction because when drops are what you're struggling with, that can be fixed. That is very easily fixable. That is a mental issue more so than anything else. And you know what Emmett Jones, Emmett Jones has done with both Andrew Anthony and Jaden Gibson? He's fixed the drop. Well, issues. and that's what I, I said to, to, to lead things off today is, you know, we, we always talk. I mean, this is a recruiting hour, so it's what we do. And we've been talking about Emmett Jones recruiting efforts. What, has he been KRIF Recruiter of the Month? Was he KRIF Recruiter of the Month the first two months, the first three months? I don't know. It, it took a while for someone else to win the award. But we recognize his efforts on the recruiting side. But, dude, as a developer of talent, um, the wide receivers are not just better than what they were last year. They're a strength of this team. Right? They're the strength of the offense up to this point of the season. Right? I mean, we're a third of the way through the season, and I feel like the wide receivers are a strength of the offense at this point. Yeah, shoot. Last year was Marvin Mims in the field, right? And now you got five, six guys that are capable of legitimately making plays. Not just making catches, but making plays for this Oklahoma. Competitive catches. They didn't have a lot of those last year, but every time Jaden Gibson, they're throwing the ball his way, uh, other than the the, the, the the misthrow in the end zone. But he's got coverage all around him, and he's still making a play, man. Andrew Anthony, um, he's made some really nice plays this year, none finer than that big catch that he had in the second half. Well, that was and, incredible. And you got to figure that's going to do wonders for Dylan Gabriel's confidence, too. If he's seen enough of those plays from his wideouts to know that if he just puts it anywhere in their vicinity down the field, more often than not they're going to be able to go make a play on it, you're going to see him get more aggressive in pushing the ball downfield. Uh, okay, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. SEC snob says maybe Bussy will be our redemption for the Hicks tragedy. I stand with Emmett Jones getting her done. Boomer. Uh, it would be nice to uh, get a five-star recruiting win over those guys at some point, and uh, hopefully that starts on Thursday. 
EJ from Louisiana says Wesco is close to CeeDee Lamb, in my opinion. And, I, you know, I mentioned that back in April when it still looked like Oklahoma was going to get Bryant Wesco. I said, look, CeeDee Lamb, like that's a really high bar, but Bryant Wesco might be the closest thing to CeeDee Lamb since CeeDee Lamb. If Oklahoma lands him. Loco, Ohio will honestly, with the way the defense is playing, could Sammy Brown even look at Norman again, or is he just cemented in? Hmm. I don't know if Sammy Brown goes anywhere. But, but, I'll tell you this much, and this has been confirmed to me through multiple conversations with multiple people. It's <laughs> And gosh, you could take this sentence out of context. And it would apply to the williams Winery recruitment either uh, as well. But Georgia wasn't second for the kid. Oklahoma yeah. was second for the well, kid. So if Sammy Brown at any point wants to move on from Clemson or he doesn't feel comfortable with the direction things are headed there, Oklahoma would pretty immediately be a very, very high-level contender. The staff in, in, when it comes to recruiting, the staff is in a really good spot with where things sit today, like right now at this moment. They already have a – I mean, they have the majority of their class already committed. It's a top-five class on rivals. They're playing really well defensively. They're off to a 4-0 and start. I think it's very obvious to anyone that's paid attention that they're better than they were last year. So, like, the spot they're in, Parker, here down the stretch, they can kind of just sit back and, you know, not have to give up on Bryant Wesco, not have to give up on Terry Bussey, like some of these other five stars that have decisions coming up or committed elsewhere. They can kind of sit back right now with a, you know, a, a, some decent power here and, you know, just try to flip a couple guys before we get to signing. Yeah, when you, got, spot. when you have the vast majority of your class committed before the season, what it enables you to do to a certain extent is – just sit back and take huge swings at the best players in the nation. Guys like Bussy and Wesco and Sammy Brown. And see what you end up with. Uh, okay, one more. Jay in Tulsa is, uh, oh boy, this violence uh, online is what he's doing. And I, I, I love it, actually. Jay in Tulsa says, I posted a video of PJ coming off the edge <laughs> on the Power Mizzou board and <laughs> captioned it as follows. Can't wait to see when Airy doing this next year. Oh, gosh. <sighs> that is the violence that I am uh, looking for today. But, yeah, P- PJ on that play where he gets to the quarterback, I mean, are you, are you kidding me? That tackle had no idea what just happened to him. I mean, it was just it one just move. It, I mean, like, even just watching the replay, ball is snapped. PJ makes one quick move. The, the left tackle doesn't even know what, what's going on, and PJ's in the backfield. Good God, that kid, that, that ceiling. It's just Again, so much fun. Schmitty puts 15 pounds on that guy this offseason. He's a top 10 NFL draft pick Man. in two years. 405-651-3439. We got a lot of text to get to. We'll get to those and a whole lot more on the OU football, OU recruiting front. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. It's a reaction Monday. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, Ref Army is listening worldwide today via our free app in the App Store, KREF. Jakarta, Indonesia is tuned in today. Manassas, Virginia. Hot Springs, Arkansas. Greenville, South Carolina. Graybull, Wyoming. Laredo, Texas. Peachtree City, Georgia. Omaha, Nebraska, where OU has a linebacker offer out in 2025, correct? 
Christian uh, Jones, Omaha. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, our small town of the day, Camargo, Oklahoma. A little south of Woodward, out there, uh, western portion of the state. Okay. Welcome to the show, Camargo. Uh, that, uh, Riff Army Locator brought to you by Affordable Door Company. They compromise on the price, but not on the quality. Visit them online at affordabledoor.net or call 405-635-9499. That's 405-635-9499. Before we get to the text line, uh, Brennan Zerbrug, huh? Look pretty good on Friday? He's pretty good, man. I saw some of those tweets you had. He looked pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. Did, did he have a – I'm going to see if I remember this correct. The first play of the game, did he run like 80 <laughs> yards for a touchdown? It was 91. 91 yards for a 91 score? yards. Jeez. Untouched. Untouched to the house. Then he went and kicked the extra point, too. Oh, which that's was, which was amazing. Awesome. And he's a left-footed kicker, too. He throws right-handed. He kicks left-footed. He's actually got a pretty decent leg. Like, if you ever need a guy to kick an emergency extra point somewhere down the line, Zerbrug is your guy. Um, but it's, it's easy to see why Jeff Levy likes the kid, man, because he reminds me a lot, and he, he's not as good as Jackson Arnold, but he reminds me a lot of Jackson Arnold in the way that he plays the game. And he does not have near the arm talent. He does not have near the foot speed that Arnold does. So I'm not saying this kid needs to be a five-star. No, he's definitely a three-star type of football player. But he's one that has done nothing but produce as a senior. He makes smart decisions with the football. Always in command. Tough. Not afraid of contact. And a guy that I think will flirt with a fourth star if he continues to produce the way that he has. Saul Chavis was in Minnesota on Friday night uh-huh. watching uh, Wyatt Gilmore. I don't know where the rest of the staff was, if they were kind of around the area as well. But while you were watching Brennan Zerbrug, OU quarterback commit, one of the two, uh, Chavis was up there watching uh, Wyatt Gilmore in, uh, in the state of Minnesota. Uh, okay, text line, Oki Tom says, My best friend is a lifelong USC fan and has season tickets. He watched OU game on Saturday, so I asked him who wins if they play tomorrow. He said OU would kill USC. He played and coached college football, so he is very knowledgeable. I don't. I mean, there's not an offense right now in college football that I look at and say, yeah, the OU defense would have a tough time with those guys. The way the OU defense is playing right now, um, man, they are playing at a, an extremely high level. There are some offenses right now. There are quite a few offenses that would give OU problems. I think the question becomes in a hypothetical like matchup between like who? Washington, for instance. Well, Washington's really good. I Washington like Michael Penix. But my point is, I just like I'm done thinking that even if they play a good offense, that OU's gonna get back to giving up forty eight points per game. I I, I think OU, this OU oh, yeah. defense like they're, they're beyond that. They're not gonna hold Washington out of the end zone. Sure. But can they hold their own and contribute heavily to a to a win? Yeah, yeah. I just that, that's just where I'm at with this defense. Um, Cincinnati in no way is the best offense that they're going to face, but, dude, they, they get out there. I think they're really good against the run. We've seen the secondary. Danny Stutzman has exceeded all expectations that I could have had up to this point. I, um, I'm very high on that side of the ball. I, I feel very good about things. And Texas, man, this Texas game, not to look past Iowa State because you never want to get caught doing that, but that Texas game, it's got the potential to be a really fun afternoon for OU football fans because – it's going to highlight just how much growth there's been from 22 to 23 because what strikes me about the way that the Oklahoma defense and really the team as a whole played on Saturday, Tyler, is, and I'll give Jesse Crittenden credit for this because he said it first on the OU Insider and the Visor postgame podcast, that game on Saturday is a game the 2022 Sooners lose. 
Yeah. They lose that football we, game. I mean, we said that twice now this year, correct? Yeah. Uh, that and SMU probably, yeah. right? They lose that game. The way – with how raucous that stadium was, with how stop and start the OU offense was at times, with – the way that that game just kind of morphed into a battle for field position at a certain point, a battle that Cincinnati for much of the game was winning in that regard, that 2022 team would have crumbled. And when I think back to the Texas game last year, yeah, we all remember Oklahoma's complete inability to get anything going offensively. What we're probably not as quick to recollect is the fact that that OU defense just folded, man. There came a point at which it was almost like they realized the Oklahoma offense wasn't going to generate any points, and they just quit trying. Uh, and that's not going to happen this year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Nine one eight. We need to try and snag Dante Corleone from Cincinnati this offseason. Well, I, I'm guessing he's going to be in the NFL uh, next year, Corleone, if he's draft eligible. And I think that he is. That's that's probably where, where he'll be playing next year. Frisco Sooner says, let me ask you guys this. If OU wins this week and then defeats Texas – does the recruiting narrative on multiple players change? I mean, I think if that happens, you could possibly be see a big chain reaction on multiple fronts. What do you guys think? So, so what are you asking, Frisco, sooner that if OU is six and zero and beats Texas, like what what recruiting narrative on multiple players change? Like some players in this class getting bumped up a star that are that are already committed. Do you, do you know what he's talking about there when it comes to recruiting narrative? And if that's going to change uh, if they beat Texas? Yeah, I'm not really following. Elaborate a little bit more if you could in a follow-up text. Uh, Sooner Schmitty says no evaluation of the OUD is trustworthy until after Texas. I'm kind of leaning that direction, but we we can also – it's not mutually exclusive to say that we don't entirely know how good the Oklahoma defense is yet, and OU's defense through four games has been really good. I mean, both of those things can be true. But but what is what is Smitty saying that you can't you can't see anything until they prove it against Texas? Like you can't take anything away because if that's if that's the take, I I, I disagree with it. I I can see PJ Atabari coming off the edge. I can see Danny Stutzman and what he's doing on a down in down out basis. I can see Key Lawrence who gets the start on Saturday and ends up being one of the better players on the field. Like yeah, like. For this to be an elite defense, like if we want to use the word elite with this OU defense, then okay, I can get there. Then they probably have to play really well against Texas. But I've seen enough through four games to know that this isn't just a better defense. This defense is a, is a heck of a lot better than it was last year. And I think it has a real chance to finish top 25 nationally by the end of the year. So it's, it's, it's a really good defense. I, I, I've seen enough up to this point to have that take and, and feel really good about it. Jeremy in Tulsa would like to know, why didn't OU recruit Lucas? Well, OU did recruit Lucas. In fact, at one point, Lucas was committed to the University of Oklahoma. Is this family Arkansas fans? Is that what's going on there? Arkansas fans and Arkansas alumni. Yeah, yeah. yeah he had so. two touchdowns against LSU on Saturday. Um, there's not a lot of great things going on with, with Arkansas right now. I mean, K.J. Jefferson sounds like he played okay. But Lucas is he's having a hell of a freshman year. Out there for the Hogs, man. Yeah, that's that's a guy you would like to have in the Crimson and Green. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, okay, 405-651-3439 is the text line. We'll get to more of those. More OU Cruton coming up next right here on The Ref.
Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, is bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. Their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone, and their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to assist you before and after the buying process. That's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. I randomly uh, scrolled upon this today on 24-7 Sports. Their 2024 recruiting rankings uh, were up, right? So, number one recruiter for this 2024 class, uh, Holman Wiggins from Alabama, Fran Brown of Georgia, number two, Jay Bateman of Florida, three, then Brian Hartline of Ohio State. But sitting there at number one, two, three, four, five, six, and I'll need to go into his profile and see who they're giving him credit for as like a secondary recruiter. Todd Bates is listed as the number six overall you recruiter don't say. in the recruiting rankings for uh, for this cycle. How about that, huh? And if this were to hold, uh, what, A&M, Ohio State, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, OU could have uh, back-to-back Big 12 uh, Recruiter of the Years from 24-7 Sports. Brandon Hall got it last year. Todd Bates looks like he's trending to win it this year. How about it? You know From who, all the slander to Big 12 Recruiter of the Year. What a story. You know who Todd Bates' stiffest competition for that honor might be? Uh, who, who is that? I was thinking Salt, Miguel Chavis. Well, well, yeah. Well, if Emmett Jones can close on one of the two remaining targets, yeah, he, and that's he, also he true. should have a chance here as well. So the KREF Recruiter of the Month race is it's, it's kind of interesting at this point. I mean, it's Miguel Chavis, who is the overwhelming leader right now, sure. but... If OU gets Terry Bussey on Thursday, <laughs> is it Emmett Jones once yeah, again? Yeah, no, it's Emmett Jones. I don't point. think Grant Bricks is going to commit in the next week, but if Grant Bricks were to make a surprising commit, would it be Bill Biedenboe after that? I, I, the smart money right now is on Miguel Chavis winning this thing, but there's at least one potential thing that could happen to shake it up. I think Bussey's kind of the ultimate trump card. I think if Bussey picks Oklahoma on Thursday, Emmett Jones is your recruiter of the month. Uh, nine one eight. So Parker, what do you think of the recent defensive back offers in the twenty four class? Is it bad news with the Boganowski front? No, it's not bad news. It's just Oklahoma basically giving Boganowski a little bit of a prod. Like, okay, like commit already. Whether it's here or whether it's elsewhere, let's let's go ahead and make this decision because we can't wait forever. And they made a good offer last week. Uh, four star Reggie Powers. Yeah, uh, what he's see just. He's like number two ten, I think, in the in the recent um, on three update that they had last week. Uh, four star safety, yeah, number two ten in the most recent ranking. So, just kind of a a backup plan, essentially, is is what it is. I do also think, though, based on a couple of conversations I've had, that the Sooners will take Reggie Powers regardless of the outcome with Kowalski. Okay. So, four oh five. When do SEC twenty twenty four schedules come out? Well, I mean, OU knows who they're going to play in twenty twenty four. But they normally have like a uh, schedule release show. I, I I think the SEC did it last year during football season. So maybe at some point in October or November, they'll have a show of what exactly the schedule looks like, and that will be aired live, like the schedule release was uh, back in the summer, which was which was a lot of fun. Five eight zero. Can we talk about how disappointing it is that we that we, that we won't play Cincinnati again? That sounds li- like someone that went to Cincinnati and had a good time. This I, I liked Cincinnati. I liked Cincinnati a lot, Tyler. I was not expecting to like Cincinnati as much as I did. Sounded like it was pretty loud up there, man. Everyone, um, like the OU fans that were there, 
that were calling in and texting in on the postgame show, everyone was really impressed by their student section, maybe more than anything. They said their student section brought it. They were very Oh, they brought it that. all right. They had great energy. It was a great venue to watch a college football game. And a lot of those people stayed till the end, man, despite the fact that, you know, from about the mid-third quarter, it became apparent that Cincinnati wasn't going to get anything going offensively. Yeah. Uh, Greg from Blanchard says, I may have missed it. it w- I was 10 minutes late to the show. Any good news for OU on williams Winery? Anything to note there? Any more glove science that we need to talk about no. with uh, williams Winery? No more, no more glove gate for now. I'm going to get back up there to Lee Summit North at some point in the next month, month and a half, but... For now, no news. Did I see people freaking out on Friday that Grant Bricks was wearing uh, Nebraska Adidas gloves? And they're not Nebraska Adidas gloves. They're literally (laughs) just regular Adidas gloves. And I had somebody that got in my mentions and was like, why on earth would he wear red Adidas gloves when his team's colors are purple and yellow? I don't know. He just wears them. He wears green and gray Michigan State cleats. The guy's clearly not trying to win a fashion show or anything. Or look uh, like a five-star athlete in warm-ups. I, I saw those bad takes as well. Like, oh, this guy is the one that's arguably one of the best offensive tackles in this recruiting class. Look at the way that he's moving around during warm-ups. Like, man, we need uh, we need the college football slate to get here on Saturday if that's what we're doing with our Friday nights. Looking at Grant Bricks and saying he's not a good player because of an eight-second video clip in warm-ups. Yikes. Electric Man 405. Hey, guys, love the show. Are we going to get the shaft? From the Big 12 officials all this season? Or do you see it getting better since on the Fox broadcast somewhat they called them out on Saturday? Justin in Newcastle, um, gauging it like if Saturday is any sort of a hint as to what's going to happen to OU for the rest of the conference slate, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, man. Like there were even some bad calls against OU after they, they, after they were reviewed, man. The no call in the end zone on the third and goal, I still don't know how that wasn't P.I., Nope, no flags are thrown. The catch Andrew Anthony makes, and maybe they end up throwing the flag if he doesn't make that catch, but still, throw the flag on that play. It was interference. That was a bad day by the officials, dude. That was, that was uh, well, towards OU anyway. It was, it was not great. And Brett Yormark is there on the field. And I'm sitting there actively wondering throughout the course of this game, Tyler, as call after call after call, or rather no call or no call no after no call, uh, continues to victimize Oklahoma. I'm sitting there wondering, man, like, is there something to this ref conspiracy? Is there something to the theory that the Big 12 officiating crews are trying to give Oklahoma and Texas the shaft? Because I've been holding out, man. I was willing to just chalk it up as coincidence, but at a certain point, you can't call it coincidence anymore. Uh, our guy K-Dub in the 918 says, Tyler, I save you the trouble. Here's a list of the blown calls from Saturday. K- K-Dub already had them copy and, and, and ready to go. One, the phantom PI call on Gentry. All right. Two, gave Cincy receiver the toe-tap sideline catch when his first foot was clearly out of bounds. Yeah, that clearly was a, that was out a play. of bounds. Dude, I, I saw one angle watching it on TV. And when they did the show the replay, oh yeah, yeah, that's coming back. That, that that's coming back. No, it was it did not come back. They said it was a catch after the review. Three gave Cincy a first down on fourth and one when they were short. 
Uh, I think they reviewed that one as well. Four, our quarterback took a targeting hit to his head after giving himself up with a slide, which they did not even bother to review. Five, the deep shot to Andrew Anthony. Six, Jalil Farouk was tackled by two different guys in the end zone with no P.I. called. Seven, saying we are lined up offsides on fourth and seven when we were clearly not. And eight, and to top it all off, not only a holding call, no, uh, no holding calls just like last year. Yikes, man. Big yikes. Someone else saying that there's not going to be one flag thrown in Dallas. Yeah, and again, this goes back to the fact that it goes back to what I said earlier, which is that in light of all of these things that were at play Saturday at Nippert Stadium, the 2022 Oklahoma Sooners would have lost that football game. They would have let the poor officiating get to them. Yeah. Among other things. And the defense wouldn't have been at a level... Uh, at least I don't think where you know they're they're going to win a game when the offense scores twenty points. You know, so I I, I would last year's team may be two and two up to this point, uh, going into the fifth game of the season. Somebody else brought great. up the play where Rondell Bothroyd is getting blatantly held and he had to sack Emory Jones with one hand. Yeah, which he did. Props to Rondell Bothroyd for that. But sheesh, man, did Britt make a comment in the post game? For some reason, I thought I remember him saying. Like, I'm limited on what I can say. Like, he, he, he almost, like, acknowledged, if I remember this correctly, it, like, in the beginning of the press conference, like, acknowledged it, but never really said anything because he didn't want to get, you know, in trouble. I think we all, I think we all knew how, how bad the officials asked, was. He got asked about the officiating. Somebody tried to poke the bear, and Brent didn't really play into their hands. But, yeah, he was directly asked about the officiating. <laughs> K-Deb in the 91-8 just listed eight examples right there. And, like, three of those were reviewed. Three of them were, like, two or three reviewed. And, and it still didn't go OU's way. Incredible. What was, what was, the, worst, what was the worst call against OU? The uh, review where uh, the catch on the sideline? Yeah, like, how do you screw that up? I, I don't know, man. That, to me, and the no P.I. call in the end zone on that third and goal was, was pretty awful. And a listener in Arkansas brought up, speaking of bad calls, one that was just as bad but not talked about, second drive of the game. Second along, Gabriel throws the ball to Anthony in double coverage. Safety gives him a full shove to the ground. The, pace, the pass basically hits that safety in the chest, and nothing said on TV but almost intercepted. Disgusting. Yeah, there's a replay circulating on Twitter of that play as well. And again, blatant pass interference that's not called. I mean, it, it was a terribly officiated game on Saturday. Well, yeah. Terribly it, officiated. It, it, and one could say, well, that's just how the officials were calling the game. Gentry got called. Like, if Gentry's going to get called for that P.I. early in the game, then there, there's at least two P.I. calls that needed to happen the other way. But whatever. OU overcame it, and they end up winning by two scores. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More OU Cruton, more of your text as well when we get back right here on The Ref. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we are the home of Sooner fans. Texas did get a uh, big-time commit yesterday. They did. Brandon Baker, five-star offensive lineman. That's a big get for UT. And I saw a uh, headline uh, today, I believe it was on 24-7. Steve Sarkeesian in Texas continue to roll in the recruiting trail, roaring back to powerhouse status. So do with that what you, what you will. Hello. Yeah, that was from Will Fong. Wow. Fong is uh, very excited about what Texas is doing right now okay, on the recruiting trail. Um, I, for, for my mm. money, P.J. Adibawara still beats Brandon Baker off the edge. But 
It's just one man's. Who opinion. does? Who 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 would? Who wouldn't? I mean, I. Well, he's playing right now. Jeez, it's incredible, man. A lot of fun to watch when uh, when he's in. Mid-South Spotlight uh, via rivals commits that should make an instant impact, and that's from that area of the country. Taylor Tatum was one of the, what, five, six players that were listed, saying he's had a great start to his senior season up to this point. Uh, he could be an SEC-ready type of back for DeMarco. There is a, a thought by at least rivals here that Taylor Tatum could play uh, could play year one. And with as many running backs as OU's playing this year, yeah, maybe Taylor Tatum would have a chance to play next season. Taylor Tatum has had an outstanding start to his senior year. I'm fairly certain he's got multiple touchdowns in every single game, upwards of 250 rushing yards and four touchdowns this past Friday night. So, uh, yeah, he's been all that. 918, which recruits will be in Norman this weekend? Well, David Stone said that David Stone uh, will be in Norman this weekend. And I think he – did he say earlier that he's going to wear number zero um, next he year? He did say that. How do, how do we feel about that? It's a big old defensive lineman wearing number zero. You I mean, don't hate it. I don't hate it either. It's kind of, kind of fun to think about. Isn't that the number that David Hicks is wearing at A&M? Uh, I think that that is correct, yes. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> Who else besides Stone going to be in town this weekend? Devon Mitchell's coming. Uh, Michael Hawkins is obviously coming. Uh, Jordan Seaton's supposed to take his official visit this weekend. Uh, gosh, I, off the top of my head, I, I don't know who else. I'll dig into that. De- later no, but this decent, week, but decent number. It'll, of, uh, it'll be, this it'll weekend. be a pretty big visit weekend, and that's what that's what happens when it's a six p.m. kick. Finally, you, yeah, know? you can get some of those guys in that otherwise wouldn't be able to show up on a game day if you're kicking off at say eleven a.m. So David Stone will be in town, and, and some others as well. That'll be cool. Uh, but but yeah, I. Who would you say like this weekend is if Bryant Wesco were to magically show up to Norman, then that's the biggest visit of the weekend, right? No and we're not no saying doubt. that that is that's going to happen. I guess there's just some scuttlebutt that it could be a possibility. But who is it? Jordan Seaton, as it stands right now, maybe the biggest visitor coming in this weekend, uncommitted, obviously. I would say so. I mean, that's a guy that on three has ranked as the number eight player in the country, regardless of position. And I, I do not expect him to end up at Oklahoma. I do not expect him in the Sooners class. But they're taking a swing. Can't knock the effort. Well, it's like we talked about earlier. They're in with what they already have committed, where they're ranked, the start to this year. You, you just take your chances, man. They can really kind of not sit back, but there's. Still a, a decent number of players left on their board, but the class as it sits right now is, is is a really good class. Top five class according to rivals. So you can spend some time that maybe you wouldn't normally have to try and flip Bryant Wesco, to try and flip Williams Winery. They're in a uh, yeah, they're 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 in a good spot right now. And Terry Bussey coming up on Thursday. So for people that missed it to open up the show today, where how would we describe where OU sits with Terry Bussey right now at at no worse like second in line Top behind A and M. Top two, and you're just seeing what happens here over the course of the next 72 hours. I mean, that's that's basically it. Yeah, more or less. Um, everybody on the text line is going off about whether Grant Bricks is going to be showing up this weekend because, again, he's one of those guys that could absolutely never make it to Norman for an 11 a.m. kick, but the 6 p.m. kick opens the door for that a little bit. I would not count on it because he has been adamant that he is not taking any more visits until he makes a decision. So this kid was supposed to commit a month ago today, August 25th. That hasn't happened. He hasn't visited anywhere since then. 
again, this is just one of those recruitments that I'd love to be able to give you guys some fresh buzz on, but there is no fresh buzz. There's nothing happening. The guy is just sitting at home, working things out between his final three schools. There is, There are no rumblings. There is no momentum. There is no change, really. We're all just waiting to see where Grant Bricks decides he wants to play college football. Yeah, it's in a uh, very awkward state for Grant Bricks. Not, I mean, I, I think the Grant Bricks level is on a different level than the Michael Boganowski situation yes. right now. I don't think Michael Boganowski, like, there's as much mystery surrounding that recruitment. But what? He was at Kansas this weekend, right? And obviously OU's kind of wondering what's going to happen with that if they're offering other safeties this late in the in the cycle. I, I, and I know Brandon Drum said last Friday that he thought at the time that OU led for Michael Boganowski, but that's that's another one that's that's really tricky as well. Yeah, well, I I think the thing about those two is that there is no clear timeline whatsoever, not even a guess as to when those two commit right now, which is no doubt odd because typically you at least have a ballpark on these guys, but. Man, Bricks, Boganowski, those two, I think what you're going to just have to get used to if you're an OU fan tracking those two recruitments is no news, no updates. Just a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. All right, the rush is coming up next. We'll break it all down. What happened inside Nippert Stadium on Saturday? The OU defense was fantastic. They beat Cincinnati 20-6. to We'll uh, look to that game, look ahead to Iowa State, and a whole lot more. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.